welcome this morning. If you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn to the book of Philippians chapter 4, we're going to be going through that passage of scripture as the Lord begins to speak to our heart. We hope that you'll begin to learn a little bit about our faith family and who we are and what God is up to in our hearts and our lives. We hope that God will speak to you through this passage of scripture this morning. If you have your Bible this morning, if you'll take it and turn with us to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. We have This has been our summer sermon series and we have just about made it all the way through this book. <clears throat> and um, man, Philippians, when you, when you just read Philippians, here and there, it's a great book. But when you decide to go all the way through it, line upon line, precept upon precept, it's a tough book. It's tough, man. It, once you hit chapter 2, where he started saying, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, I mean, it's, it's been tough sailing through those last couple of chapters. But I believe chapter 4 finds itself in a peculiar place for the church of Philippi, but a, even a more peculiar place for us at Family of Grace. This summer, as our summer missionaries have continued to go out day after day, week after week, 10 weeks, they've gone out. And they've continued to do that. We finished it off this week with the pinnacle, the, the high point, the, the, the inner city camp where we had over 200 kids that came here and began to minister to them. I believe it opens up chapter 4 as a letter to us today that is very timely. Look with me if you would in verse 1. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. So then, in this way, my dearly beloved brothers, my crown and my joy, stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Verse 2 goes on. And he says, I urge those ladies who are there in the church of Philippi who agree in the Lord. Look at verse 3. He continues to move forward. Yes, I also ask you, my true partner. And he will later define the partnership that he has with the church of Philippi. But he says, I urge you to help these women who have contended. Would we'll just circle that in your Bible who have contended for the faith. They've contended for the gospel at my side. Now, I want you to circle that because that word contended isn't a word of sitting neutral inside the sheetrock. It isn't a word where they just went to church. It isn't a word where they just had prayer meetings. It isn't a word where they just went and they existed and they just did ministry where they were. But it was a word that meant they were on the front lines. They were out there doing battle for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They weren't just helping Paul by sending him an offering. They weren't just helping Paul by praying for him. But Paul says, they were at my side. They were doing combat with me day in, day out, week in, week out, doing combat for the king of kings. They were at my side along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's one of those verses you probably would like to take out of the Bible when things are going very difficult. Because he says rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. When, does, when do we rejoice? Always. 
Does that mean we rejoice when things are good? Absolutely. Rejoice in the Lord. Does that mean you rejoice when things are bad? Absolutely. You rejoice in the Lord. And I am telling you, there's some days that it's hard to rejoice. But Paul says, you need to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice when you just got the check that you weren't expecting. Rejoice when your kid does exceedingly well beyond your expectations. Can I get a witness? Rejoice when things are going well, when you get the promotion. But then, when things are going bad and you lose your job and your, your things are struggling with your children, rejoice in the Lord knowing that God's eye is upon you. Knowing that when you walk through the valley of despair that He's not taking His eye off of you, but His eyes run to and fro and He's gazing upon you. Know that there's no mountain high enough that you can escape the presence of the Lord. Know that there's no valley low enough that you can escape the presence of the Lord. And what I want you to know today is that God has a work for your life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Then he moves into the next verse and he says, Now let your graciousness. Mm. Come on, somebody. Let your graciousness be known to everyone that the Lord is near. In other words, when they, when they see you, when they see your presence, when they see who you are, they will let their graciousness be known. It will be known not by your words, but by your action. And then he moves on and says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses. Circle that word in your Bible, surpasses. It means passes by, flies by, surpasses every thought. Underline that every thought will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Look at this next verse. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Wow. Do. What you have learned. Just do it. Just do it. I know that sounds familiar. Just do it. Because just do it. Is connected with the number one logo in the world. The Nike check. But I am telling you just do it was not original to Nike. Paul laid out this prescription for the church of Philippi. And he looked at him and he said, guys, just go do it. Just do it. Do what you have learned. Do what you've received. Do what you have heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. Wow. What a verse. A couple of things I want you to take away from here. The church of Philippi found themselves in a peculiar place. Matter of fact, a place a lot like we are today. The church of Philippi was not a church that had been around very long. Matter of fact, they were a new church that Paul had started out of a prison stay. As he went into the area of, of Philippi, 
He had met Lydia. They met, let, met Lydia down by the creek bank, led her to Christ, met the Philippian jailer in prison, led him to Christ. And then all of a sudden now when Paul is writing this letter to the church of Philippi, now he finds himself having elders and bishops and deacons. And the whole church had grown up. It was now structured. It was now organized. They were receiving and they were giving and they were doing the work of the ministry. But when you begin to do the work of the ministry, it begins to be hard work. What, I, I, I'm going to tell you about four to every day this week. At the end of the week when we were trying to get all of these kids on the right bus to the right place at the right time, at the end of every night I looked at our staff and I said, I know why churches do not do van ministry. It's crazy. It's hard. It's risky. It's costly. And there's no return in the physical realm. And I thought, wow, I know why nobody does it. It's hard work. Oh, sure, it's easy to pick up a couple of little sprinkles here and there. But when you start bringing a whole building, you're like, don't move, don't leave. You find this bus, this place, this co-. We tried a different strategy every night. And at the end of the camp, we figured out none of them worked. And that's kind of how the church of Philippi was. They were contending for the faith and they were doing battle hand to hand and they were beginning to struggle and question a lot of their motives, wondering, is it really worth it? And Paul comes back to that church of Philippi and he says, let me tell you something, Mr. Deacon. Let me tell you something, Mr. Elder. Let me tell you something, Mr. Bishop at the church of Philippi. He says, do the work of the ministry. Find those women who are doing the things that you don't think are very noble. Find the ones who are doing and continuing for the faith and support them and then he moves on and there's a couple things here that I believe if you'll just jot them down this morning that will give you a lot of encouragement and strength and the first thing that Paul tells the church of Philippi is this just flee from your fear flee from your fear now I want to say that again flee from your fear look at it if you would in your Bible in the verse in verse 5 If you go back and look at verse 5, here's where this point comes from. Flee from your fear as we go back and we begin to connect these dots. And here, look if you would, it says in verse 4. He goes back and says, help those women, contend for them, rejoice in the Lord always. Let your graciousness be known to everyone that the Lord is near. And then verse 6, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Flee from your fear. We have churches that have that no longer do youth events because it's too risky. It, it's too risky. You know, it, it, in the in the Sue Happy age that we live in, people 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 don't want to do ministry because it's risky, and it is. There's a liability risk that goes with reaching kids and reaching people and as you begin to open yourself up and you begin to open your doors up and when you say come as you are they're gonna come as they are I love that Jesus told the disciples to cast their nets out into the deep because you know what when you cast your nets into the deep you never know what you're going to pull up you know we like to do selective fishing I mean, when we fish in our, in our freshwater lakes, you pretty much know what you're going to catch. Matter of fact, you know that, man, if, if, if I'm fishing along the bank, I, you know, I'm either going to catch a bass, I'm either going to catch a white perch or a brim. Now, you, you may catch any of those three or catfish, but you're pretty safe with what you're doing. You pretty much know what you're going to do. 
But, man, have you ever been shrimping? Have you ever been on a shrimp boat? Man, when they throw those nets down into the deep of the gulf and they just begin to troll out there, and when they bring those nets up and they dump them on that tray, I'm telling you, it's crazy what comes out. Because when you cast your nets into the deep, you don't know what you're going to pull out. And I want you to know something, church, that when we cast our nets into the depth of the city, you don't know what you're going to pull out. You don't know who you're going to come in contact with, but I do. I know who you're going to come in contact with. You, when you cast your nets into the deep, and we're pulling our nets out of the deep, and we're pulling up uh, peculiar people that look like things that we weren't really seeking to save or seeking to look for, I want you to understand, I know who they are. They're God's special creation. Every one of them was formed with a purpose. They were formed with a plan, and they were formed with a vision. Before they were ever born, while they were in the matrix of their mother's womb, I want you to know that the Father in heaven was calling out their name in the portal of glory. I want you to know they weren't an accident. They were not an illegitimate child. I want you to understand something, my brothers and sisters in Christ. There are no illegitimate children in heaven. God had a purpose and a plan. And I want you to know that we began to be worried. I told my wife this week after the first night, we were wall-to-wall inner-city kids. I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to have to live out what I've been preaching. Don't you hate it when the Lord does that? You've been preaching something, now it's time to live it out. And it's risky, and there's a lot of worries that we can have, and there's so many worries, and there's so many things that we can wring our hands over. But here's what I want you to know, that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Well, that's easy to preach, but hard to live, isn't it? I mean, it's easy to preach. Don't worry about anything. Hoorah! Don't worry about anything. It's easy to read that verse in the book of Matthew, you know, in chapter 6 and 27, when he talks about which of you by worrying could add one, one inch to your statue? Which of you could worry, could do anything? You know, what, what do you accomplish by worrying? You know, I figured out something, though. Most of the things that we worry about the most never happen. Most of the things that we spend most of our time worrying about never happen. But here's what Paul wrote the church of Philippi. He understand, he understood that at this point they had grown up into a vibrant church. And when you begin to be a vibrant church, you, you have a lot more responsibility. You have a lot more responsibility and a lot more people to question and a lot more things to think about. But Paul writes that church of Philippi and says, you just keep doing what you've always done. Just keep being my hands. Just keep being the feet of Jesus Christ. Just keep being the arms that reach out into the neighborhood. Just keep throwing your nets out into the deep. You didn't get to where you are, church of Philippi, by playing it safe. Everybody that's admired for their wealth today, Everybody that is admired today for the size of their business did not get to where they are by playing it safe. Somebody took a risk. 
Oh, yes, it may be a generational thing, and it may be three generations down the road, and the people who are running it today didn't have a risk. But I'm going to tell you something, my brothers and sisters. In the beginning, there was somebody who didn't have anything but a fire shut up in their bones and a vision. And with that fire and that vision, they went out and began to make a difference in whatever field they were in. I want you to realize today that you cannot get to where God wants you to be. You cannot achieve the things that God wants you to achieve by playing it safe. But I want you to know something. That he didn't say I would leave you alone. Just get out there and be a risk taker all by yourself. He says no don't worry about anything. But in everything I'm going to give you the answer. He says don't you fret. Don't you fret. Listen in these passages of scriptures he's saying flee from your fear. But while you're fleeing from your fear face your savior. Face your Savior, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, is always our due north. He always is the northern star that we look to. Before North Star ever figured out the on star. To know where you were at any time, at any place, at any tragedy. Jesus was our northern star. He was the Due north. He is the due north on our compass. And he says, look right here. Don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition. 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 Make your worries known through prayer and petition. Make your worries known to Christ through prayer and petition. Seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord and then seek the Lord with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. He gives us the answer. He's not saying just don't worry. It'll all work out. He's saying don't worry. It'll all work out because I am the same yesterday, today and forever. I do not change. And I want you to know something today. No matter what you're going through in your life. You may not know which way's up or which way's down. Which way's right or which way's left. I want you to know that you have a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. You have Jesus Christ who has the blueprint for your life. Quit settling for anything that the world has. Quit settling for what's good and grab hold of what's best. Because good is the enemy of best in your life. Run to the mercy seat and say God Nothing in my hands I bring. I tear up my blueprint. I tear up my plans, God. Not my will, God, but your will be done. I am focusing on you, my Savior, Lord, and I am fleeing from my fears. Wow. When we begin to do that, he begins to take us to a whole new level. This week we were praying last week as we started our inner city sports camp. We were in need. We, you know, we had crunched the numbers and got that thing down to the least amount of money as we could do it on. And it was going to be about $1,500. We're like, man, Lord, how are you going to provide this? God, how are you going to do that? And we, nevertheless, we just faced our Savior. We didn't face our worries. We didn't face our fears. We moved forward in faith saying, God, if you don't show up this week, I don't know what we'll do, but we're going to move forward. And this week, out of the clear blue, Pastor Ralph came in and said, I don't know. Do you know this guy? I said, no, I don't know that guy. What's his name again? He told me his name. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. I talked to him about a year ago. And for some reason this week, on this day, he just sent us a check for $1,000. It covered over half the expense for the camp. 
when God was moving on us, God was moving on a man somewhere else. I'm going to tell you, God says, Jesus says, Church of Philippi, don't flinch. You know, I've been thinking about that a lot. Because when you shoot a weapon, if you're, if you're a sportsman, if you're a hunter, and you shoot a weapon, you, you shoot an animal in the woods, if you flinch, it's normally worse than missing altogether. Because normally what happens is you only miss by a little bit. You only miss by a little bit. And what happens is a lot of times when people, when they flinch when they shoot a weapon or they shoot an animal, they shoot at a deer or something like that, they miss by just a little bit and it's just enough to wound the animal but yet never find it. And I'm telling you today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a lot of things that we should be worried about. Trust me, I made a big list this week. But there's only one thing I know what God said in his word. But in everything, in everything, make my request known to God. And look at this. And he would give me his peace that would surpass my every worry, my every thought. It will guard our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Flee from our worry. Face our Savior. But focus. Get this, guys. Focus on the mission. What is the mission? Whatever is true. Look at, this, look at that verse right there, verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is, whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, Dwell on those things. Dwell on those things. Okay? We have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. You can either focus on what you don't have, or you can focus on what you do have. God's not looking for a lot. Matter of fact, down by the seashore, when he was just trying to get away for a time out and take a break, that day he fed over 5,000 people with just a couple of little naughty biscuits and a few bony fish. God's not looking for how great the things you have are. He's looking for how faithful you are with what you do have. Oh, we're in great need. We're in great need. But we have an awesome Savior who knows our every need before we ever ask. Paul looks at the church of Philippi and he says, hey, church, just do it. Just do what you've always done. Just be faithful. Just be faithful with what you do have. It's a challenge, leaders. It's a challenge. You're the first people that they'll come in contact with. The statistic says, and it's proven true time and time again, that most people make up their mind whether they'll come back to a person's church within the first couple of minutes that they're there. Which that means that's before they've ever heard your worship team or before they've ever heard your preaching. So, boy, that lets air right out of all of our balloons. Who are the front line? 
who's on the cross? Will you focus on our mission? What is our mission? To penetrate the culture groups. Every culture group. Every culture group. In central Louisiana. The broken. The Hispanic. The black. The white. The rich. The poor. The hungry. The needy. The fatherless. The fathered. Church should not be a segregated group of believers. But if we are reaching our city, if we are being faithful to the great commandment and the great commission, love the Lord your God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Then our church will look like our city. If we are going into our city trying to make disciples of all these people, then our church will look like our city. You say, Pastor, what does that have to do with me? Everything. Everything. Because you are his royal ambassador. You are his teachers. You are his leaders. You are his servants. We have 45 children this week. Teenagers. that need to be discipled. Now, what does that look like? There's no way I can disciple them. There's no way Pastor Steve can disciple them. We have to. You know, I wrote, I read those cards, and on one of those cards it said, and I've already said this, but it said, just pray that I could find a good foster family. Just pray that I could find somebody to adopt. See, what those kids were saying is, I need somebody to take care of me. I need somebody to show me how to live. I need somebody to feed me. I need somebody to buy my school supplies. I need somebody to help me with my homework. I need somebody to tuck me in at night and pray for me. And what those the cry of those kids was, Please pray God would send somebody like that into my life. And that stirs us in the physical and emotional realm. But you know something? This week, we have 45 brand new babies. That if there isn't somebody that says, I'll be the one to prepare that spiritual formula. I'll be the one to help change their diaper spiritually speaking I'll be the one that helps show up on a Wednesday night I'll be the one that helps show up on a Sunday night I'll be I don't know what it looks like but I'm going to tell you church we have their responsibility now because God didn't bring them to the other place down the street he, he, he trusted us enough he trusted us enough to let us be their spiritual fathers, their spiritual mothers, their spiritual mentors. And together we have that great joy.
because they're going to go back and they're going to tell somebody about the greatest story they ever heard. I think the Samaritan woman said something like this. Come and see the man who told me everything about me. As we have gone through this passage of scripture today, I believe God has a great word for not only us as a faith family, but for you, right where you are. That God wants to encourage you to make a difference. No matter where you live, no matter where you work, or no matter where you play or where you worship, you can be the salt and the light that makes all the difference for the glory of God. At Family of Grace, if we can help you in your spiritual journey, it'd be a great honor and a privilege. You can contact us and we'll be willing to help you accomplish that task in whatever way it may be that the Lord is leading. Looking for child care? Visit College Camp located in the heart of Pineville. It is a licensed aid facility that has been in existence since 2008. For more information, call 318-484-2762. This ministry would not be possible without these partners.